0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hillhead Baptist Church. It's lovely and warm in here and rather chilly out there, but it is great to be together. And it's good to see one or two friends who've been unable to be here for a little while back with us. That's great. We're going to begin by hearing some words from Psalm 119 Happy are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes. Do not forsake me. And so we're going to come now to God in prayer. Let us pray together. The king is among us. Holy God, it is so easy for us to sing these great words, but not so easy to grasp what they mean. On the one hand, we have domesticated you, made you cuddly and safe, like an idealised daddy. And on the other hand, we have depersonalised you, made you some complex concept beyond our understanding. And so, as we worship you, as we name you our King, we do so tentatively, not entirely sure what it is we are saying or singing. The King is among us, God's Spirit is near. Holy Spirit it is easy for us to sing these words, but not so easy to grasp what they mean. Sometimes we imagine you as being like the air we breathe, filling us with life and potential. Sometimes we imagine you as being like a powerful wind sweeping away all that stands in its path. And so, as we worship you, As we invoke your name, we do so tentatively, not entirely sure what it is that we are saying or doing. Each one is special, accepted, and loved. Jesus, it's easy for us to sing of your work of salvation and atonement setting us right with God. Easy to claim that in your death, evil and sin have been defeated fully and finally. But not so easy to see how that works out in a world where frailty and fallenness seem to hold sway. And so as we worship you, as we reach for your acceptance we do so tentatively, not entirely sure what it is that we are saying or asking. We come now believing, for we are your people, and this is your hour. Triune God, beyond our comprehension, yet knowing and loving us all, help us in this time to center our hearts and minds on you to obey your voice be it quiet or loud and to do your will for we pray in Jesus name amen
1: our first reading today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 to 9 these are the commandments, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. So that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of fathers promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses, and on your gates. The second passage comes from Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer... He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God and then no one dared ask him any more questions.
0: This is the second time we've come to a communion service on this experimental pattern where I do a short reflection rather than a full-on sermon and then we share communion together before the children join with us for the closing part of the service last time we did it um, a few people including me felt a bit rushed so I'm trying to speak a little bit less and slow the communion down a bit so that we have time to savour that moment when we get to it hopefully it will make sense We live in an age of soundbites and slogans, things that are snappy and, if I can use advertising jargon, sexy, designed to appeal to those who hear, but actually probably not leading to more than a superficial response in most people. Churches have vision statements and mission statements, mottos and strap lines. They have a scripture verse of the year, And it all sounds great, and most probably it is the product of careful thoughts and deep prayer by those who've done the choosing. But quite frankly, on a day-to-day basis, they usually make no difference whatsoever. These last few weeks of the liturgical year, the weeks through November, our focus is on Christ the King. And the roots material which we are following offers us a series of slogans to ponder as we reflect on what kind of kingdom it is that Christ is the king of. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're pro or anti-monarchy for the purposes of this. The fundamental question is the same. Of what kind of nation is Christ the head? What kind of place is it that Jesus rules, is lord of the roots material noted in passing that the word slogan has roots in which language anybody know it's a Scots Gaelic word it passed into the English language as long ago as the 15th century now I'm slightly concerned because I have at least one Gaelic speaker here Um, So I'm not going to try and say it in its original form. But apparently, originally, it was an army shout or a battle cry. Uh, The slow bit is army, and the gambit is shout or cry. Oh, well, the Gaelic speaker doesn't know either, so that's all right. So we'll just go with what the internet and roots tell us. Now, I understand that some people will be uncomfortable with the fact that this word has a military origin as well. I think recognising what a slogan is nowadays is quite useful for us. It's, it is words printed on a business card or written on a website. but Actually, it should be more than that. It should be something to motivate us, to motivate a whole group of people to do something, to be something. If you like, a slogan is a rallying cry. We all shout it and fire ourselves up. I was kind of reminded of the all Blacks Hacker, actually. Um, it's that, that kind of, let's all get going and do this thing. Alongside the word slogan, Roots invite us to consider the word graffiti, a word used nowadays to refer to slogans and images painted on walls. Now, your views on graffiti will be varied. Some of you will think it's vandalism. Some of you will think it's street art. It doesn't really matter. But again, perhaps the origins of the word lead us to something a bit more important. It actually goes back to Roman times, the word graffiti. It is Latin in its origin, but actually even before that it was Greek. Graphos to, to write, grapho to write. And in fact, it means to inscribe, to scratch. Graffiti in days gone by was scribed into the walls. I'm actually just about old enough to remember taking a pin and trying to scratch my initials into a stone wall. That's what it used to be. And I think that's very interesting because that's permanently changing something by writing it. One of the metaphors that's used for the Christian church is of a building, isn't it? We talk about the church of being built of living stones, which is us. And so I find myself wondering what kind of inscriptions, what kinds of graffiti, what slogans might be on the church that is the people like us. So then, slogans can be snappy phrases to capture something of value, to inspire action. And graffiti as words carved into the walls of a building. Hopefully not like the ones in a Welsh chapel that said services 10.30am and 6pm for all eternity. And the church closed, but it still said in, carved into the wall, services 1030 and 6pm. The two readings we heard today are familiar ones. They get often used at infant blessings or if we're receiving somebody into church membership. And they are, I think, a little bit slogan-like. We've heard them so many times, we don't even think about them. They're quite easy to hear. They're quite easy to feel comfortable about. And actually, they're quite easy to go, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll put my hand up to that, I agree with it. In offering a short reflection today, I was actually relieved, in a way, to find that these were familiar readings because there's not too much I need to say that I haven't said before. So that's good. We think we know these readings, we think we understand them. And yet, you know, I think sometimes it's all a bit passive. We just sit there and nod and go, yep, that's good stuff, preacher. But it doesn't take us any further than that. The ancient Jews were told that these words should be physically present with them at all times. They should carve them into the door frames of their homes so that every time they went in or out, they would see them. They should copy them out onto little things, put them in boxes, and bind them to their forehead or to their forearm so that wherever they went, they would be reminded of them, either on themselves or somebody else. Trouble is, it didn't work, did it? They didn't really live, those commands. I don't know about you, but I will go out and I will choose an ornament or a picture to hang on my wall at home. And I will enjoy it for a while. And I forget it's there. I just walk in and out and in and out. And it's just there. I don't think about it. And I have a suspicion that for those of us who might choose to wear a cross or some other religious symbol... The same is true. It's just something we wear. The reason we wear it gets forgotten. It's just there in the background. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. Yeah, it is a slogan. It is a motto, a strap line, but it's got to be more than that if it's going to be the rallying cry of the citizens of the kingdom of God, the followers of Jesus, who are his continued embodiment here and now. It's got to be more than just graffiti. It's got to be something etched onto our hearts that makes a difference. You know the words as well as I do. Some of you knew them long before I was a twinkle in my dad's eye. You know the challenge that those words carry. You know which parts of them you find attractive and which parts, frankly, are rather challenging. To love God, to love your neighbor to love yourself. People worry about the church, about our congregation, certainly, and about the church in general. They worry who will do the jobs that need to be done, and I can assure you the list of jobs I get to do grows daily. We worry who will carry the message to a new generation, We worry how to get new people into the church. Not as in this building, but into the body of Christ on the earth. We worry about being authentic. We worry about being true. Actually, what I think is we need to stop worrying. Stop thinking of new programs and new structures and new books or whatever it might be. And go back to the blinking obvious, to what it is that God through Jesus says to us. And then individually and collectively, to be willing to inscribe that slogan on our hearts and our minds. So that waking or sleeping, working or resting, they're always with us. We need to make these words our heart cry our motto, our strapline, whatever phrase it is you like. But more than that, we need to get on and live it. I could preach on these passages till kingdom come, literally, but actually what matters is we live it. The wise scribe in this story, his work was to pass on the words to a new generation. And he recognised That in them was all that was necessary for the kingdom. That everything else we say, everything else we write, every ritual we create, every choice we make is effectively a commentary on those words. It's the outworking of it. That's what matters. Well, that's nice, Katrina, but it's impossible, isn't it? You know? To really love God with your whole heart and mind and strength and soul, it's impossible. It's impossible to love all our neighbors. You know, those people whose lifestyles challenge us, those people whose cooking smells a bit funny, those people who have funny haircuts in weird colors. Mm. And it's impossible, isn't it, to love ourselves the way God loves us, complete with those regrets that we've all got, complete with those bad thoughts that go through our minds. Well, yes, in a sense, it is impossible. But this is what motivates us. This is what drives us. That this God who is love rules the earth. And therefore, we want to love that God with everything we can muster, to love other people as that God loves us, and to love ourselves. This slogan, this inscription, fires us up to play our part in the inbreaking of God's kingdom. To him be all praise.
2: Amen. We come now to our uh, prayers for others. Um, I asked Katrina to put the logo back up because I felt we should try this morning to concentrate our prayers on our neighbours. And actually I did this before I realised what the the readings were for this morning. So perhaps... It's one of these uh-uh moments. The logo which we use so often all the time, some of you may not know its origins were in Bruce Cable's time, and a friend of his designed it, and then we altered it slightly. Like most logos, it's got a representational element in it, and it uh, indicates Hillhead, the hill in the middle, with the Kelvin running round it and uh, dominated by a cross but it's an open-ended cross both for stylistic and for theological reasons and this morning I think we should think about our neighbours those who live and work within a short area of this building here where we are placed So you can pray with your eyes open or pray with your eyes shut, but let's pray together. Dear God, our forebears had the foresight to plant a church here on what was the outskirts of a rapidly growing city and over the years people from this church have obeyed your command to love their neighbours through a missional and a pastoral ministry. We pray for those who teach at the university under increasing pressures to produce results in a field where results and productivity are so terribly hard to define may they resist the temptation to take shortcuts we also pray for the students under increasing financial pressure and some of them haven't even had their grants paid for this year under pressure to find part time jobs under pressure perhaps to cheat using the internet Lord we pray that may find strength to actually be true to what they're studying and may the Christian student organisations be of help in these difficult areas we pray for the hospital Lord we bring before you the doctors and nurses the auxiliaries and the cleaners again under pressure to perform with less money and fewer resources. We pray for the patients, some waiting for a diagnosis, some in hope and others in fear, some recovering and some dying. May they all know your strength and love at all times. We pray for those who work in the shops and the restaurants, drive the buses and clean the streets, look after the botanics and the other precious open spaces. We pray for the thousands who come into the area almost every night to eat, drink and be entertained, and we pray for those who serve them. And Lord, we pray also for those who simply live here. The young and the old. Those who live upstairs and downstairs and in difficult tenements and with difficult neighbours. Lord, you know all of their needs and fears and longings and desires much better than we do so we credit them all to you. Father, we pray for the churches. We thank you again for the spirit of cooperation that exists and has existed between the churches in this area. And we pray that that will continue in the face of the many pressures that prey upon Christian unity just now. And we pray for the work and outreach of this church. We have a long history of reaching out to our neighbours, both near and far. And we pray that you will help us to fulfil your command, to love you with all our heart and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And Father, at this time of international tension and all sorts of pressures. We pray that people might just realise that if they only practised loving their neighbour, then so many of our problems and difficulties would disappear. Heavenly Father, we bring our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Loving God. Send us from here to live and love with every ounce of our being so that we might hasten the day when your kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may the God who creates, redeems and sustains us be with us and all people everywhere today and every day.